0: Matthew and chapter 7. Now what happens when you're in the car, you're driving to an address that you've never been to, you're in an unfamiliar part of the city, you're following the directions on Google Maps on your phone, and suddenly the battery dies out. There's no charger either. What do you do? Now, that scenario can play out in lots of ways. Think of the actions you might take. Okay, the battery has died. What do we do? Well, you could probably guess the way ahead. After all, you typed the address in. Can you remember it? Guess the way. Maybe you'd stop and ask someone willing to lend you a phone to call for backup. People are very generous. Try them. Maybe you'd just give up and go home. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is in the middle, as you know, of the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching those who are following him how to do that. And in a way, Jesus is warning his followers about that kind of scenario that I've just described as one of his followers. So think about it. A scenario where you've been following Jesus, his directions in your life, his teaching. Remember, there are so many stunning demands here in the Sermon on the Mount, demands for righteousness, sincerity, humility, purity, for love. But then suddenly you go off-grid. You start to live as a Christian, not with a dependency on the Lord Jesus' directions, but with an attitude that you might describe as rogue self-direction. Imagine that scenario. Could you and I be vulnerable? to that kind of Christian living, that kind of Christianity, rogue self-direction, going it alone, no longer listening. Well, Jesus appears to think so. We are vulnerable because he's warning his followers here of two dangers, two dangers, have a look for them, before gently urging Christians to restore their lines of dependency on him. Two dangers, that's what we're looking for. Two dangers, and then a gentle urging. So let's have a look. There's an urgency here, isn't there, to seek help? Did you notice that verse? Ask, seek, knock. So that's where we're headed. So, firstly, then, here's the first danger judgmental and overcritical hypocrisy, verses 1 to 5. Let's read what Jesus is saying again. Have a look down at, at verse 1 here of chapter 7. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's long been debated what kind of judging Jesus is talking about here. Now, the misinterpretation, I'm sure you've heard it, um, has probably done the rounds most in, in Christian circles, is that Christians should never judge at all. Have you heard that? Oh, you're a Christian, don't judge. That's what the Bible says. But I think that's a misinterpretation. Now, look at the context here. It tells us that that can't be right because Jesus is a few sentences away, isn't he, from judging that some people can be called pigs or dogs. Well, that's judgment, isn't it? And in other parts of the Bible, there's an even insistence that we should make the right judgment. Jesus says, Judge things rightly. I mean, if you only have to look at John chapter 7, verse 24. So what does he mean here then? Judge not that you be not judged. Well, basically, Jesus is telling his followers not to be judgmental, not to be severely critical of other Christians. Christians who are hearing the call to this radical discipleship, I want to follow Jesus. I want to live out what he's telling me. We're at the same moment. You see a very small step away from noticing when others around us are not living up to the demands that the Bible makes. Have you ever felt that? Well, I'm living as a Christian, but I don't think she is. And so dangerously we end up going off grid and allowing a kind of critical attitude to, to seep in. It's quite a proud place to sit, the judgmental seat, isn't it? Have you ever sat on the judgmental seat? Sometimes it's even fueled by gossip. I can't believe he's doing that. It's very damaging too. Imagine what that does to relationships, friendships, churches even. You see, these are the kind of dangerous, off-grid actions that you need to be aware of. Jesus says, he's warning if you like, don't go rogue. Don't do things yourself. You can't do that. Judge not that you be not judged. And the warning becomes even more acute with the reality of verse 2. Just look at it. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says, you see, this kind of attitude is not for Christians. Why? Well, because it takes God's place. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, as we consider this, just think about these verses for a moment. I want you just to consider the Christian who develops that kind of judgmentalism of others. Do you see how far that is from the kind of attitude that Jesus spoke of? Just flick back a couple of pages to Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, some people, Jesus said, are blessed because they recognize their utter dependency and need of God. Their spiritual bankruptcy, as we saw last year on this text, apart from God. Well, those who harshly judge, in very stark contrast, have actually stepped up onto the proud seat and hardened their own condition. They're blind to their own need for God's mercy every time you look around. Well, you know, next here in this section, as Jesus warns, He gives what has become a very, very famous example, hasn't it? Even for those of us not so used to planks and logs and specks of wood. Well, look from verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong for Christians to help other Christians get specks from their eyes. That's not what he's saying. But what is he saying? Well, look at it. He's warning about a kind of pious hypocrisy where a Christian with a log in his or her eye, imagine how painful that would be, offers help, oblivious, self-deceived, putting on a show of religion, and then an encore of acting to help a friend. It's awful, isn't it? Well, Jesus agrees. Look, verse 5, you hypocrite, you actor. You've gone off grid. You've gone rogue. You've lost connection, battery dead. There's a better way, Jesus says, humbly take that log out of your own eye so you can be genuinely able to help sincerely. Judge yourself, in other words. Wouldn't that bring fresh air into churches? Wouldn't that bring the gospel into our friendships? Our marriages, our friendships, our people, the organizations we're part of, our CU. And we'd need a lorry load, wouldn't we, to get all those logs away. Enough to build a church, maybe, a new building. Let's get the logs out and build with them. Now watch out, Jesus says. Watch out for the danger of judgmental Overcritical hypocrisy and get back on grid. Now, I think what John Stott says here really drives home the meaning. Have a look, and it should hopefully pop up on the screen. John Stott said this He said, The command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. It's good, isn't it? Jesus doesn't tell us to cease to be men and therefore suspend our critical powers of judgment, which help us distinguish us from animals. But he says, renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. That's really good, isn't it? That's what Jesus is saying. You're not the judge. Step down. So the call of Jesus is, in fact, to be generous towards each other, renouncing what, look what Stott calls here, the the presumptuous ambition to be God, setting ourselves up as a judge. If you've gone rogue on this, even in small ways, it's time to resign from the bench. Get off the judge's bench. Your know, times um, like this, when we listen to what the Bible says, are the spiritual equivalent of charging the phone and getting back that co- connectivity with the Lord Jesus Himself, listening to His directions, His call for discerning generosity towards each other. And you know what that reflects it reflects Jesus Himself. The gracious road he took all the way to the cross, to Calvary. Resigned from the bench. Jesus is saying not don't judge anything, but don't be judgmental hypocrites. But you see, it doesn't mean that you don't have any discernment, does it? Because here's a second danger that comes really quickly here in in Matthew 7. There's a danger of a lack of discernment, verse 6. Now, this is actually a danger of the Christian life off-grid, showing no judgment, having no discernment. Now, again, think about where we are in the Sermon on the Mount, those rigorous demands of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Christians love your enemies, remember that? Christians don't judge. But when we go off-grid, it leads to a kind of washed-out Christianity that doesn't say anything. That's the danger of being undiscerning. Now, to make the point, and I I realize this is a bit tricky, isn't it? Jesus uses what can seem like a very strange picture. Look at verse 6. Look at it with me for a moment. He says, Don't give to dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, it needs a a bit of unpacking for sure. Firstly, look at the dogs and pigs. What are they? Well, we need to remember that in Jesus' context, unlike ours, Dogs were not like Lassie, were they? Or Bluey, if you have young kids. Dogs weren't cute and friendly. And pigs were certainly not like Peppa, were they? Rather, pigs were wild, unclean, vicious even. Not Peppa. And they were despised. Now, some parents might feel a little bit like that after 200 reruns of Peppa. But what Jesus is saying Dogs and pigs. This is a picture here. He's telling his his followers, and then look again, now that we've got dogs and pigs right, this is the despised, this is vicious, wild, unclean animals. And he tells his followers, look at the text, not to give what is holy to people who could be described like that as vile and wild. Don't give what is holy. So basically, he's telling them that there are times when it's right to show judgment. Isn't that interesting? Now we need to work out what that phrase, what is holy, and later then pearls, refers to. So what's Jesus saying? Now there's lots of suggestions on this in the scholarship. The best one, I think the one that makes most sense of what Matthew's gospel is is tracking with, is that it refers to the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. So in other words, don't give what is holy, the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, to those pigs and dogs. In other words, Christians are to be discerning when it comes to giving out the good news of the kingdom. Now, that's very interesting, isn't it? Here's what it's not. It's definitely not saying, don't go and share the gospel. That couldn't fit with Matthew 28. It would make CU Life this term a little bit easier, maybe. But that's that's not what the Bible's saying. It's not saying, don't share the gospel. Don't take the gospel of the kingdom to certain people. No, Matthew 28 says, go into all the world with the gospel. But it does mean that Christians, those who follow Jesus, are going to need to be discerning about giving the gospel out to those who are clearly and repeatedly rejecting it with viciousness, hateful scorn, or as Don Carson puts it, with hardened contempt. There are some people who are like that, who are rejecting the gospel repeatedly, scornfully. And Jesus says, be discerning don't give the gospel of of the kingdom to those people because what are they going to do? They're almost violent in their resistance to Jesus, his message of life. That to keep giving them it, it's like taking all your jewelry and going out and throwing it to the pigs. And then the pigs sniff around thinking that it's food and in the process trample it into the mud. That's ridiculous. No one would do that with your jewelry. Or wild dogs who, as soon as you feed them a little bit, turn and bite you the hand that feeds them. No, Jesus said that would be ridiculous. You see, there is danger in judging other Christians, but there's also danger of a lack of discernment when it comes to those who aren't Christians. Now, what are we going to do? What's the life of the Christian then with these vast discernment needs every time we get out of bed, every time we leave the house? What are we going to do When you step onto your college campus or into the workplace or a school, well, quite extraordinarily, did you notice this? Jesus answers that question. What are we going to do with what comes up next in Matthew 7? This is wonderful. You see, Jesus urges all those who would follow him to get connected, to reestablish connectivity with God and seek help. It's wonderful. Look at it. He's urging all followers of Jesus to get connected and seek help, verses 7 to 12. It's remarkably here in the text. Look at it from verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it'll be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him. So whatever you, you wish, or so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So what is Jesus saying? Come and live the Christian life as humble, loving, discerning followers. And ask God, remember God, the loving Father, for all of the things you need, including these great needs for discernment with your Christian brothers and sisters, and with those on the outside. Aren't you going to need constant help so that you don't let the battery die out? Don't put your phone away. Now, that's a first, isn't it? Imagine being told not to put your phone away. Well, the Bible's saying that when it comes to God and His directions. Don't put it away. And of course, by that I mean the connectivity, the access, the dependency on God, the loving Father, who will give good things to all of us who ask Him you're listening to Matthew's gospel with me today. And I hope you can see there's an amazing gospel of grace here. Jesus Christ calling us to follow him, to live his ways. And you know, that gospel certainly has great demands. Loving people you couldn't naturally love, forgiving people who have gone too far, going after a righteousness that seems just so far from the world around you, a purity that seems too difficult to pursue, a humility that just seems plain bizarre to the people you live with and work with. And so Jesus says, ask God for it. Depend on him. Sheer dependency. Rely on God's resources because you don't got them as you live it out. Just as you defended on, on God and his provision of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you. Well, now depend on him as you follow after Christ and go his way. It's wonderful, isn't it? This is what we saw last week, remember? In Colossians 4, prayer as standard. The reason for that, among other things, is this demanding life we've been called to, sometimes with pigs and dogs all around us. So pray, Jesus says, for discernment with utter dependency. And remember from Colossians 4, that's prayer as standard for the sake of the world, those outside, as well as the sake of the church. Black Rock. Brothers and sisters, whether you're new to us or not, if you're following Christ, here's your reminder from God's Word to depend on Him for everything. Heading onto campus with the gospel of the Lord Jesus, pray and ask God for all you need. Whether you're at home doing the work, whether you're in school, do the same. Pray, ask God, because that's the Christian life, isn't it? The good news of the gospel, winning our salvation, restoring that relationship with God the Father, getting that phone charged with Him, That's what we need to do, depend on Him. Can I ask you just to stand for a moment? Um, Thank you for listening, but would you stand, and let's just together ask God for His help. And in a a minute after we pray, uh, the musicians will lead us in a a song that just points to the gospel, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, and that will lead us very nicely to consider um, the Lord's death for us at the cross. Well, let's pray together as we ask for God's help. Father, in the year ahead we depend on you. Father, give us that gospel humility as we deal with one another. Help us help each help us help each other even as we examine our own lives first. Father, give us a gospel dependency as we hold out this word of life to others too. Father, put these gracious words in our mouths put the gospel in our conversations. Father, let the connectivity never be cut with you, but rather strengthen it as we stand as a church. And we ask this. We seek these things. We knock at your door, your wonderful door. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.